Acts chapter 2, we're going to pick up at verse number 42. I want to point out some things that, uh, amen, just over the last few weeks, uh, just the Lord's kind of been pointing out to me, you know, when you ask the Lord and search the Lord for some things in your life, you, amen, he knows, he knows how to provide. And sometimes, at least for me, the Lord has to stack it up. It comes in increments. I think if the Lord knows if he was to lay it all on me at one time, I'd be overwhelmed. Amen. Acts chapter 2, picking up, picking up at verse number 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Somebody say, the apostles. All that believed were together and had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. They continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God. Look at here, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. From verse 47, I want to, from that statement there, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I just want to amen, talk to our class today, amen, the, the, the foundation, the pillars of the church, amen, about er, the early church's success. Say it with me, the early church's success. Just to remind ourselves, amen, how, amen, how come they were successful. You could be seated I think it's important that I point this out because I don't think most scholars today, whether you're, whatever your faith, whatever your background would be, I, I don't think that uh, any would really disagree much uh, that whoever you might talk to about the church and the uh, early church, uh, that it had an amazing success uh, in the beginning when the church begin to spring forth, um, there is no question, there's really no way around how that the outpouring of the Spirit of the Lord and the growth and the success of the church was successful. And uh, I began to think about that a few weeks ago, about how, what is it that was so successful in the early days of the church? And, and uh, you know, there's things that come to mind. Growth, of course, the Lord added daily to the church. And uh, unity, we find unity in the scripture that I read. Joy, uh, there was joy. Fellowship, that's a biggie. Fellowship, and amen, appropriate today for our picnic. Uh, all this was in the newly formed church. It's, these these elements were there. These were the foundational things that, that, that made the church a success. And when you think about it, success was not because of any kind of depth uh, or natural ability uh, that was found in the leaders because it was new. It was springing forth. It was, it was moving forward. It was just, uh, just beginning to happen. It was just, uh, if the lack of better words, just formulating. And actually, uh, it appeared even by the testimony of others as the church began to develop that the church in the beginning, now stay with me, the church in the beginning was viewed 
uh, those in leadership was viewed as ignorant and unlearned. I want you to think about some things because this has been mulling over me. In fact, Acts 4, we usually quote Acts 4 and 12, neither is there salvation in any other, but Acts 4 and 13, it shows that. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were what? Unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. Take note of that, that, that just that, that marvel thought for just a moment. And took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. I don't know, for some reason, this has not jumped out to me before until now. And I've talked about this scripture for over the years many times. But when they seen Peter and John, they perceived that they, by obviously their conduct, by their actions, they perceived that they were ignorant and unlearned. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But the thing that jumped out at me is, and they begin to tie that ignorance and unlearning to Jesus. What does it say? That they had been with Jesus. They, oh, Lord. Now, you hear me say, and we say it all the time, birds of a feather. Somebody said, you want to know what you really are? Look at the caliber of your friends. Look at your inner circle. But we don't think about that too much. They, they looked on them as ignorant and unlearned men, and it marveled. It, it, it caused them to be astonished. Because simply Peter and John was seen as not formally trained. Understand this. Formally trained, especially in the rabbinic schools, in the Jewish way of learning. They perceived that they were ignorant and unlearned because they didn't come from the schools. They didn't have the degrees. They didn't have the diplomas. They didn't have the training. Probably didn't have the etiquette. Probably was a little, little rough, a little brunish. Uh, words, you know, not very articulate. Uh, and so they perceived that they were ignorant and unlearned. <laughs> they didn't view them as being, look, look at me, because this is happening today in the church. They didn't view them as being very professional. My Lord, today I've never seen the like in, in the church, in the church ranks today. And I, and I say it not really so much in the church, but in the religious world, uh, the professionalism. Everything's got to be, everything's got to be professional. They weren't professional scholars. They weren't ordained teachers. In fact, go with me to St. John chapter 7. Look at verse 14 and 15. Because it's important for us to remember how the church began and what made it successful. Because here's one thing before I lose track, lose, you know, lose you in these thoughts. What made them successful was when you have to rely on the anointing, when you have to rely on the Lord, that makes all the difference. I can go to books. I can go to seminars, I can get educated, but all you're getting is another person's view or another area of teaching that's been handed down or passed on. Get this, because St. John chapter 7, verse 14, because it's important that how we're viewed today uh, is not only something... Uh, I, 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 I'm trying to figure out how to say this. I don't want to say I don't want to come across unprof 
professional, but I don't want to be so professional that we leave the Spirit of the Lord out. In other words, we can be so programmed and we got to go A, B, C, and D, and that's the way it's got to be, and lose track of what the Spirit wants to do. Look at verse 14, John chapter 7. Now, about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? (laughs) Now, I don't know what you get out of that, but that tells us something very powerful. Look what Jesus, look what they said. He went up to teach. He went, up, he went up to teach in the midst of the feast. Jesus went up to the temple and he taught. But the Jews, those that were religiously in control, they said, how can this man do this? He don't have letters. He don't have the degree. He don't have the background. What Jesus say? Verse 16. He answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Think about it. They attacked the Lord, if you will, uh, because, hey, you're not a rabbi. You've not been through training. In fact, when you really look at it, When Jesus went and picked his disciples, I believe in Matthew 18 or Matthew 10, who did he pick? He went down to the dock and he picked fishermen. Some maybe had some education. Most didn't. But they were hard workers. They were willing to learn. Most of all, they were willing to follow because Jesus just simply told them, follow me. Jesus was not trained in, in the rabbinical you know, uh, synagogues and, and, and schools. Uh, and neither had he been taught by someone else, watch, of the Scripture. Because at this time, you're talking about Old Testament. This time, you're talking about, amen, the law. And he's, he's letting, he goes up and he begins to teach. But notice that they marveled. They marveled. Marveled simply means they were astonished. And they were amazed. They were amazed. How how can that happen? Well, I think we've learned. We've labeled people as 1 through 10. We've labeled people as whatever. And then we get astonished when they do something. We say, wow. Our, Our young people always constantly throw that in the arena. Because we might look at them as young and dumb. We were never that way. We look at them in one way, but they get up and do something. The Lord moves on them. The Lord uses them. They wow. It's the same principle. But they were outside the realm. They looked over, and they just couldn't see, and they couldn't understand how that someone had the nerve to get up and teach that didn't have the credentials. Because when you think about it, again, the success of the early church was not based on or from the results of years past. In the legal, in the legal arena, there needs to be a precedent set. 
if there's been a precedent set, then you have a, a better a better way or a, a, a better excuse or a better means of winning your case because something's been set as a pattern to use. In the early church, they had no pattern to go by other than the Old Testament, other than the tabernacle. That's all they had. They had no, they had no base from the results from years of being familiar with, with church growth and, and administration. They didn't go to seminars. They didn't have book after book of all these people that are experts. Because if they listened to the experts of the day, <laughs> we wouldn't have Christianity like it is. It, let me rephrase that. We're, we're heading into that arena because Christianity is trying to be controlled by those that have no, no purpose to control it. No reason to control it other than control. Think about it. The early church. Success was not based on favorable cultural surroundings. Or a favor of social, you know, being the, the, the leaders of the socialites and those that were the elites and those that were there, the leaders around them. They, they, they did, that, that wasn't based on that. It wasn't about culture. It wasn't about who was who and what was what. Amen. The Lord was just speaking. He went up to the temple and he began to teach to the Jews first. His own. That's usually the hardest to deal with. Family. Our very own is the hardest sometimes to win because they see our everyday life and they want to measure God to that. Worst mistake we can make, worst mistake you can make is to, amen, attach your relationship with the Lord with Bishop. However, that's a mistake. We don't follow man. We say that, but we do. Because we decide who we want to hear, who we, what we want to support. We do. We decide that. Think about it. Now think of it this way. <laughs> this mismatched group of uneducated, and in the face of these things that I just mentioned here, these obstacles, those that were in charge, those that were religious, those that, uh, <coughs> that were pointing their fingers, that were making accusations, that were really trying to hinder. But I, I want to remind us of something. Acts 17, verse 6. Because it says, when they found them not, they drew, and the man's name is Jason, which you go to Romans 16, you'll find out he's part of the brotherhood that Paul was associated with, and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying. These, watch, watch, because this is how we should measure success. These have turned the, it wasn't just Jerusalem, it wasn't just the area. <coughs> Notice how the story gets bigger. The problem always gets bigger when we pass it on. These idiots, these uneducated, these are, look, what are they doing? They're upsetting. They're turning the world upside down and are coming here also. Now think about it. In just a short amount of time, in just a short amount of time, the early church, look at me, was a 
divine success. Because it started rattling the chains of the system of the world. Most of the time you can measure your success in, in dealing with someone in your family or dealing with a co-worker is when you start getting under their skin. And you're not a needle. As the term used to be, it used to be growing up, that's all I heard. Well, I don't want nothing, you know, you don't, you, don't, you don't shove it down somebody's throat. I don't know anybody that's ever shoved anything down anybody's throat trying to convince them not to go to hell. Or try to convince them there is a heaven and a hell. Or try to convince them you need to be baptized, have your sins remitted. It's not stuffing some kind of something down somebody's throat. It's trying to do what we're supposed to do. Because Jesus came for what purpose? He didn't came to make you feel good. He didn't, came, he didn't come to make me feel good. He said, I come to seek and to save that which is lost. Can I say something to our class especially? And it's hard for us older folks, us established folks, not to meddle in young people or other people's business. Because we have experience and we see things happen. We think, oh, my Lord. You need to stop that. Gabe. No, we, it, it's easy. It, it, it's easy to, to, to you know, try to sh share with somebody about their business. Why don't we just lay that stuff aside and just focus more on them getting to heaven or hell and them understanding about salvation? Because that's what it's really about. It's not about how you're living your life or not living your life or what you're supposed to do or not doing. Because, in honesty, the enemy has been very good about getting us, just like the garden, to focus on that. Because when we walk in the church, I heard my wife say something this week about running into somebody, and they looked them up and down. Looked her up and down. Check and see how you, oh, my Lord, really? I hope nobody's like that here. I hope, I hope, I hope we're not. There's a time and a place for everything. But when somebody says, hey, how you doing? Good morning. Let me see how you look before I respond. It's ridiculous. That's not, that's not, that's not what they did. Look, look, at, look at the elements of the early church. <laughs> because success was not based on culture and favoritism and all that stuff. The early church lacked what? Lacked experience. They lacked, watch me, they lacked expertise. But one thing they didn't lack was trusting the Lord. I think, church, we need to get back to that more, trusting the Lord and not following man and people and words and cultures and fads. No, I, and I'm not saying to be mean or degrade. I'm saying, listen, we can read all, you can read all the books you want to. Get into the Word, pray, amen. I got that successful. These other things are just feelers. Just help us. Just nurture us. Nothing wrong with reading. Nothing wrong with educating. Nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with being blessed. There's nothing wrong with having money. If we keep everything in the right perspective. But the moment we become greedy, guess what? That, 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 that money, that, the blessing that God just is gone. Because we've changed it. Look, look at it. 
was, he was thrown, thrown into, into, into jail, Jason was, and, and was taken hostage pretty much what it was. Because what happened was things were taking place. And remember what they told him? Remember, remember what they were told? And, 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 and I see these elements in our government today. Here's what you can say and here's what you can't say. We told you not to teach in that name. Did we not? That's, that's, did we not? But you did. So now that you did, we're going to retaliate. And we're going to take hostage. That's what happened to poor Jason. Now, here's what happened. Because the key to success, if you look at it, <laughs> is in verse number 42 of our cha chapter 2 we read. The key to success they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. I'm going to tell some of you something. Don't expect me to ride every wave that's in this world in Christianity. Not everybody that says they're a Christian, amen, holds the mark. I was just looking at some things this weekend with my sons and some of the men that used to be, I mean, a couple of them has been on this platform. And my Lord, today they're a mess. Mess. And going to social media and trying to justify the mess. It's a shame. It's sad. Because, look, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Steadfastly means unwavering. Unwavering. Somebody's not going to change you if you've got it. If you've got it, you ought to know what you've got. I've got the Word of God. I don't need something else. I just need the Word of God enhanced in my life every day. I need it resurrected every day. The Word. Unwavering. Firm resolve and unwavering. Look at your neighbor and say, strongly. They strongly stayed with the apostles' doctrine. There's all kinds of voices today in the ear of ministry all over our land trying to take away and trying to diminish and trying to tear down the apostles' doctrine. Simply, that's what it is. I've even, been, I've even been called uneducated. I've been called names, you know, because I would not ride the wave or the banner of something else. You got to understand, look at the success of the early church. Look what they stood for in the midst of things that was, I mean, in my opinion right now, the way things are, much more difficult then than now. So far, I haven't been called before the governor, the president. You better stop that nonsense over there at 3120 South Walnut. I have in my, in my career as a minister been told we, want, we don't want that spiritual stuff in here. When we started working at the prison, men were getting baptized, the Holy Ghost being poured out, and in the prison there, in the brick walls of the chapel, it echoed real bad. I mean, it was bad. When the Spirit of the Lord began to move, I mean, it echoed. And those that were there scared them. 
And so the superintendent calls us up and says, hey, listen, I need to talk to you. You guys are doing a great job. It's obvious that you've got to, I mean, you, you're, you're full every uh, uh, service. I mean, I mean, we have men we have to reject. We don't, we don't have a 90-man count we allow. But I want you to know something. Uh, and we've got complaints from the chaplain, Catholic chaplain. We've got complaints uh, from some of the staff. It's, they, there's been times they thought there was a riot breaking out. Superintendent, educated man. He said, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, you're doing a great job, but I want you to tone it down and not promote the spiritual stuff so much. What do you think I said? Okay. Here's what I told him. Here's what I told him. I said, Mr. Dirkworth, I'm going to tell you, uh, I understand what you're saying. Uh, I've seen people get scared outside the, the prison and services that the Lord was moving in. I said, but here's the thing. When the Lord does something, it's out of my hands. <laughs> when the Spirit moves on somebody, and I said, I don't know about you, but I think it's my place to encourage people to get as much as they can, especially in this environment. In this environment, these guys—you you may not believe that—and it may think it might cause, but these guys need this because it will spill out to others. Nothing was said after that, and I wasn't fired. Now, remember this: remember when uh, Simon Peter made the position of the early church clear. When he faced, he faced the high priest and other leaders in the temple. Acts chapter 5. I think that I gave that to you. Look at, look at verse 28 29. I mentioned a while ago. Did we not strongly command you that you should not teach in his name? You have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. You see, see how things are viewed? When you go to church and you shout, you speak in tongues, amen, you learn something from God, your life begins to change, that's you. You're doing that. No, that's the Spirit doing that. That's God doing something. That's what we should call success. That's, <laughs> but notice what Peter said. He made it very clear. Amen. And it's important that we see this. Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Some of you Trinitarians get that. Look at that statement. Come on, look at it a little deeper. Don't just skim over it. He just made Jesus God and God Jesus. Because the doctrine they were teaching was Jesus' doctrine. Jesus said it's the doctrine that he was teaching was of his Father, the Spirit. So really, in essence, what he just said there to them, and they probably just didn't really catch it because they were so worked up that he just made God, Jesus, and Jesus, God. Obey. He said, we just obey. 
You know what Peter did? He clearly, watch, he clearly, this is what we got to understand sometimes. He clearly took it out of me and you and somebody. He made it a godly thing. He made it a spiritual thing. Because when you obey God, come on, you cut everything else out. Self included. When you make a sacrifice because you feel something in your spirit, you've cut everything out except you and God. Well, I don't know if that's something. No, if you make a sacrifice and God knows that you make it toward him, guess what? He knows it's for him. I'm not trying to prove anything. It's just you and God. When you fast, you don't have to be a fast church-wide fast. Everybody, you know, everybody don't have to know you're fasting. You do it. You're fasting with God. And the things that you're petitioning God for, guess what? You'll see them start happening. He'll give you answers if you really want them. Uh-oh. Sometimes we want answers like we want healing. I'm meddling now. I've actually literally laid hands on people to pray for them, and the Spirit told me they're not going to be healed. They don't want to be healed because they are getting paid to be like they are. When you're on disability... <laughs> When you're on welfare, when you're on something, and you, but you want God to change it, how's it going to change? Because if it changes, guess what? you got to be honest, and you got to change some things. But, 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 I mean, because I've literally heard people say, oh, I can't do this. I will lose this. Then what do you want? Because we talk about being saved, being delivered. Do we want to be delivered from unbelief? Do we want to be delivered from things? We've got to adjust ourselves and realize what makes things successful. It's not the things that we do. It's what God does and what God challenges us to do. Sometimes we have to be in an environment where we've got to speak up and say something that's not going to be popular among the group. Because the Spirit instructs you. No, correct that. That's not what the Bible says. Let me give you a good quote. Many are called. Few are frozen. That's my version. No, many are called, but few are chosen. What does that mean? Man, everybody can be called. Everybody could be whatever. But few. Straight is the gate. Narrow is the way. And a whole bunch will find it. That's the, that's the term today. Everybody's all right. Few there be that find it. That's the word of God. Few. That's why we've got to understand and look at our success or what we deem as being successful and what God, amen, started out showing us what success really is because what Peter says makes it very clear. I'd rather obey what I feel in the Lord and what I know in my spirit and deal with that rather than deal with some human emotion. Somebody's bouncing off the wall and all upset and all worked up. Like Grandma said, Scratch it and get over it. Scratch it and be glad. Yeah. 
Because it's really, when you think about it, a lot of things that we allow to work us up are worthless, meaningless. Jude 3, and that's just a verse because there's only one chapter in Jude. Jude 3, Jude says it just about the same. He says that you, somebody say me, should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Because here's the thing, once you know something, you should know it. Well, you know, I ch- you know these guys, I've changed my view. Really? I mean, sometimes tweaking some things is, but your view on salvation, your view on serving God, I'd be very careful having to tweak that a bunch. Because it would make me wonder, what did I have in the first place? Because it's contrary to what the Bible says, that when you receive the Holy Ghost, things should change. Hello? Old things are passed away. Things become new. We learn how to walk and talk. We learn how to serve the Lord. We learn how to allow the Spirit to allow us to be successful. We're supposed to learn that. And if we don't allow the Spirit to do it, what will? Look what they did. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. They continued in fellowship. Some would argue, and I'll say this, some would argue that the church initially practiced socialism. When you read uh, chapter 2, verse 44 and 45, like we did, you, you'll see that they believe, well, they had all things coming, they did all these things. Uh, but understand this, this was not, this was not a biblical mandate or requirement. They weren't told, hey, you got to go out and sell everything. Hey, you got to do this. you got to change your life. No, that's not what the biblical mandate was, because I'm going to show you something. I'm going to say something that's going to blow your mind. Because they simply abandoned this practice and never repeated it. So from the beginning, the church is a mess. If we got away from something that was supposed to be, that was the beginning. That's what made it successful. Because God pulled them together just like us. To to have a church, we've got to come together. We've got to support it. I will say some of you need to step up a little bit. Just because we paid the church off doesn't mean that we don't have things and we don't want to do some things in the future. You know what you make a year. You know what you make a month. You ought to be paying tithes on that. That's called a first fruit to God. It's not the amount. It's what you have, amen, that God blesses you with. You should honor God with it. You don't bring it into the church. Well, Brother Purdue, get no- Brother Purdue don't get nothing except a contract, a contract I have with the church. I could be like some pastors years ago. We wouldn't be in this situation we're in years ago and take all the tithes and only operate off of offerings because I promise you every service I'd have to get up and say, hey, we need to raise this for the utility bills because our offerings do not cover utility bills. And it's a sad, sad state that our offerings on Wednesday night don't even break most of the time $40. And sometimes I put five in myself. Where'd that come from? But they continued. It wasn't a biblical mandate. 
And they abandoned that practice and didn't repeat it. So this house-to-house stuff and all this stuff and all these things coming. No, that's not what it was supposed to be. They were actually come down to the care and to the service that the early church, they practiced. They practiced. It started out, amen, being care. And it was just a sense of care for and service for one another. And it wasn't out of obligation. You're not obligated to put an offering in from me. But I'm obligated to tell you. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. I'm obligated to tell you that, amen, God blesses those that give. He loves cheerful givers. I'm obligated to tell you that, amen, we are to, amen, bring into the storehouse our tithes and our offerings, free will. Oh, Lord. Can I say this without being mean? We've got young people. We've got young people doing better in their giving than people that are doing well. I got the paper to prove it. That little $20 or that little $10 or that little, you know, brother, you said it's nothing. But that's not what you get. That's not what you make. Don't lie to the Holy Ghost because that's a form of not being truthful. Because when you give a tenth, it's all God requires. He's not like the restaurants. He's not like the fads. He's not like the changes. It starts out 10, then it goes to 15, then it goes to 18, then it goes to 20. Now, if we don't leave a 20% tip, oh, my God, you're, you're just looked on like, you're not nice. If you're not nice over a glass of water or having your beverage refilled, then what are you in the house of God? Luke chapter 19. Ooh, Lord. Let me get ready to close. They willingly sacrificed for each other within the church who had need. Apostle Paul says the same principle in Galatians 5.13. He says, by love, serve one another. That's pretty easy. Out of love. I do things because I love to do it. I do when I decide and I pray, and I pray all the time, I pray all the time, who can I bless? What can I do? And I have, and I, you know, not name, and I've went to people, and I, you just do that because that's what you feel. You don't have to have no purpose. You just love to do it. You're just glad that you're able to do something, at least for me. By love, serve one another. Because what the apostle says, liberty is not a license of self. Well, I've got this liberty, I've got this freedom. Whatever I want to do, I can do. This is what happens to ministry. This is what happens to those that preach. This is, what, this is what happens to those that have no accountability. I can start pastoring church. I can change this church if I want to. Lift the standards. Do anything we want. Preach any kind of doctrine. We can do it. Whatever following follows, that can be done. And that's what's happening all over the United States of America. We are compromising the word of God. For the sake of people. And, and the avenue is, and the thought is, well, if you you got to be careful because they got to come in the door or it's worthless. No, that's not the case. If we'll get back to being successful with God and allowing the Spirit to move, guess what? It'll draw people in the doors. There wasn't programs. There wasn't giveaways. There wasn't all those things. Those are the things that we've grown accustomed to because we're competitive with a guy around the corner or down the block because they started doing it. Now there's a precedent set. 
Oh, well, they give gift cards over there. They give it. Yeah, okay. And I'm not against doing some things. Trust me. If I, anything that we can do to save a soul, if it'll, if it'll truly save a soul. But I go clean your house or go mow your yard out of love. Has nothing to do with anything else but love. What they did was out of love and out of care. It wasn't a biblical mandate. Now let me begin to close because time's running out. Luke 19.10. Look what happened. <laughs> Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. What, what makes you successful? Matter of fact, let's stand. What makes you successful? The clothes you're wearing? The money you have? Boy, I wish Melissa and Anthony was here right now. The car you drive? That big old nice car. Come on. What makes you successful? In your eyes. I have a home, I have land, brother, I, I have animals, I have things. You know, let me just even get a little bit deeper. We have our health, we have our strength, we have our family. We have a, but in the eyes of God, what makes us successful? Watch me now. When's the last time you won somebody to the Lord? When's the last time you witnessed to somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ and his coming or even about salvation? Because we've gotten so complacent in being the church, we are losing our success in the spirit. And we're look, look, look at me, watch me, watch me. And we're looking for programs to bail us out. It's not going to happen. They may have some purpose. They may work something. But that's not what it's going to take. You fast. You pray. Get sincere with your walk with God. Come on, church. If we'll get sincere and when we come together, guess what? We all have that same spirit. We unite. God blesses in unity. God will put a hunger in people's hearts to do things for him. Not for the church. Not for the address, for the Lord. Because if we're going to be like the Lord, and we're supposed to be, he came to seek and to save that which is lost. He dealt with things that were out of line. So let me just say this before we pray. Let's be successful and continue to mirror. Come on, would you close your eyes all over this place? Mirror. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. If we're his church, the actions of the body will mirror Jesus and his doctrine, his thinking, his teaching. So for us to be successful, we've got to continue to mirror his purpose. Because if we're not reflective of him, then aren't we self-centered? Or become really just a social club. Because what started out them to be house to house, have all things common, God pulled that nucleus together for a purpose. So that when it exploded, when it began to expand, 
Come on, church, we can come here to this 3120 South Walnut, but amen, it's just not about being here. It's about expanding, reaching the lost, witnessing to others. Come on, would you lay your hand on your heart and let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for the calling. Thank you, God, for your spirit. Thank you, Lord God, for the success, Lord Jesus. Lord, it don't take, Lord God, all these things that, Lord, we're even being prompted today with, Lord. It doesn't take all of these, Lord. It takes your leading. It takes your direction. It takes your spirit. Lord, we ask you for your favor. We ask you, Lord God, to renew and rekindle that spirit in the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.